so good. Can you believe we're doing this again? I can't believe it. How, how long has it been? Like seven, eight years? Chug, can Jeez. you believe it's ten years since the first episode? Oh, no, that makes me feel pretty old. I mean, I just, I'm surprised that we haven't chatted in that whole time, even once. I haven't, haven't spoken um, on seven, eight years. I mean, what have you been up to? Uh, uh, nothing really. No, nothing, nothing much. Same. Hello and welcome to Cinema Subculture, the podcast where we discuss everything strange, obscure and downright messed up in the world of movies. My name's Gary. And I'm Simon. What are we going to be looking at today? Today, Simon, we're looking at the horror classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, released in 1974, directed by Toby Hooper. Tasty, tasty. Mm. You have a wee synopsis there for us at all. Five teenagers on a road trip through Texas get stranded and come across some cannibals. Oh, <laughs> sounds tasty. <laughs> See, that tasty, exactly. Exactly. Okay, Gary. What's great about the movie? Just uh, a wee quick before sure. we get into it. Very little plot. Very little plot. Very little. True. Which yeah, I like. It's quite sim- simplistic. Uh-huh. Very simple. Um, did you, do you know why the... the do you know why the kids are going to well Texas? I guess. Do you know why they're there in the um, first place? Oh well, the original thing is um, they're going to look for the grave. Is it the grandfather? I believe so. Of... There's been there's been several uh, exhumations of it. Yeah, of, people uh, went yes, grave digging. Yeah, so people stealing bones and, and bodies of people and stuff. So I think they are there to um, make sure that hasn't happened. Mm. Grandfather. Because the character Sally and Franklin are cousins. Well, they're, they're brother and sister, I think. Are they brother and sister, right? I believe okay. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've you seen this film, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, the, you're the guy with the eye for the details. <laughs> the ear for the details. That I'm stuff goes in my head. I'm the one that's watching. Are they related somehow? I I, that's right. Oh, I think it's uh, <laughs> Sally and that other face boy, they're brothers, they know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so um so when did you first see this film gary when were you first aware i, I was trying to think the other day when i first became aware of texas Chainsaw massacre i can remember the first time i i, I saw it and like, i bought it on dvd which i think was like, the first time it had been released in the uk whatever like probably you know since like it was kind of on vhs back in what the you know 80s probably um but i don't know when i first became aware of it I feel like it was maybe mm. through pop culture, like maybe references and something else. Uh, I can't remember myself. It's probably I first saw it when it was on TV in the late nineties. Okay. I think uh, when it first gets shown. Um, but yeah, uh, it's probably one of those sort of totemic horror titles that's sort of in the culture, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, you sort of know bits about it even if you've not seen it yeah yeah so, mm-hmm. i just remember it being like like I, I, I tried really hard to think like you know i'm getting on now i'm a wee bit older than that um than the last time we met but i, I tried hard to figure out where when i first saw it 
in comparison to other you know horror classics like I, I saw like Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like five randomly um so that's like the earliest I can remember you know of, of like a horror um film but I, I can't remember like if I saw this before like Halloween and Friday the 13th and things like that you know I can't quite place where that is in the, in the pantheon of, of, of my mind but I just remember thinking that it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be you know it was a lot more raw and kind of um like not not necessarily real because I, I think even at that point I knew that it wasn't you know it's not based you know it wasn't real but it, it definitely had that kind of low budget I would later know you know later come to know this low budget kind of raw feeling that um films like like Evil Dead have you know to a certain extent um but even that film feels a little bit more fantastical whereas this feels quite I think quite grounded especially you know the first half to two thirds of the film um I just, I just remember it just was completely. I guess I was maybe I must have seen like Friday the Thirteenth, or you know that kind of ilk, because that, that's the only thing I really had to compare it to. That I can think that it wouldn't have been something that I was expecting. Am I right in saying you would consider this one your favourite horror movies of all time? You know, it's funny. I, I, I would, but I, I, I really did wonder that. You know, recently watching it again. To have a chat with you about it, I really did start thinking to myself, what is it I like about it? You know, what is, what is it that, that you know, do I do I class it as something that would, like, I, I repeat, watch a lot of horror films, like, like you know, as I class them, kind of junk food horror films, right? Stuff that I'm kind of comfortable with and that I just want to kind of put on and kind of almost zone out because I'm comfortable with them. But um, Chainsaw Massacre, I don't know if I do that with necessarily. I feel it's a bit more like an event. It's, it's like what this is a, a terrible analogy but it's kind of like it's like sitting watching something like like Schindler's List or something like that you kind of put it on when you kind of want to you 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 want an experience if you know what I mean yeah like, give an example I was watching it like uh, last year uh, middle of last year um and I had, I had just got a new sound set up set up in, in my room right a 5.1 sound and um I, it was pretty warm it was the summer and the, the films are really kind of sweaty kind of warm film i always find i feel that you can almost see that on screen you know like it's like the heat resonates off the off the off the screen um but so the room was really warm and i had the window open um, and i had it up at a decent amount a decent level and it gets to the table scene you know and there's a lot of screaming <laughs> going on um and suddenly my wife comes in the door and's like um it sounds like someone's been murdered up up, up the back of the village um <laughs> you're gonna have to turn that down a little bit um but just because i get so lost in it you know that that kind of um intensity and you know uncomfortableness of, of that scene in particular so i mean i i do class it as one of my favorite horror films but i don't it's not something i watch on a it has to be a kind of special i have to be right in the mood to watch it if that makes sense, um, as opposed to other yeah. films that are more trashy, I would say, and you know, probably of less quality that I could easily put on um, and not, you know, not pay too much attention to. Sure, yeah, you make a good point there in the sense that it's not necessarily a fun watch in a lot of ways, but I think uh, that's why it appeals to me. I think, in in a sense, like it's not really a mainstream horror film. Uh, I think a mainstream audience. Um, uh, would be slightly turned off by even still, uh, because it is a film that is, it doesn't follow conventional horror paradigms or Hollywood paradigms. Um, 
uh, and it's a real whistle on the audience, uh, which is which is something I love about it. It is it is extreme, uh, and it was a game changer mm-hmm. in horror. I think one of the takeaways from rewatching it again is we're along for the ride in this movie, but it's not clear. Uh, who we're with, you know what I mean? Mm. Are we with the victims, as in a traditional horror movie, or are we with the killers? Because uh, Cooper does a lot of really interesting things with the camera and point of view, uh, where a lot of the movie, the camera's like detached from the action in sort of a neutral position. Uh, and it's just basically Hooper saying, you will watch this, ex- this uh, debauchery, uh, but I'm not going to tell you how to feel about it. Um, you're just, I'm just going to, put you in this maelstrom of depravity and violence and you're going to have to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because uh, I feel the the, the start of the film follows a kind of traditional setup of victims' backstory, etc. But we also get a lot of empathy with the killers as well, Mm. uh, particularly Leatherface, um, which is quite unusual. Um, A really interesting character. And sort of Hooper's depiction of uh, a declining industrial economy. Sort of lead. This is quite subtle how he puts that in, but a sort of declining industrial economy leading to this sort of decaying of the American family, mm. uh, which I really love as well. You're kind of referring, obviously, there's the scene in the in the back of the van with the hitchhiker talking about, like you know, his his brother used to work at the the abattoir, like and stuff like that. And mm. I always remember thinking that, like, I'm like. Wait a minute! That guy used to work at the abattoir. That guy used to—I don't think he—he's ever been out the house, like you know. <laughs> not, not the hitchhiker Leatherface. Like I was like, how did that guy used to work at the abattoir? <laughs> Sorry, as you were saying. Aye, uh, then also really love uh, Hooper's experimentalism uh, in the movie, uh, which is quite unique. I get a lot of influence of from like European art cinema in the film and I couldn't find any direct sort of evidence for that that Hooper saying that he was he took influence from things like surrealist film or Soviet cinema but uh, he was a film professor before he started making films so it seems like he was aware of that type of thing Um, in a lot of ways it doesn't feel like a traditional Hollywood horror yeah yeah, I mean I was was looking at that it feels very dreamlike um, yeah, I was thinking like you know, you look at um, like four years later, Halloween comes out, and and that's a fairly low budget film, even though I think it was like about five times the the budget of, of what Chainsaw Massacre was, but it just doesn't look like it. You know, like when you look at the actual texture or the the shots in the film, it, it just doesn't look anything like you know this, a same type of film. Even though, as I say, that's still an independent film, Halloween, um, it, it still looks like a movie. You know, where, whereas this, I feel. It's kind of got that kind of like proto found footage feel to it almost, where you're kind of like someone's just set cameras up in this house. Like specifically, I'm thinking the house scene where um, I can't remember the name of the character. You know, the girl with the red shorts where it, it pans down underneath the the the, the, the swing. Um, she goes into Pam. the house, and when when she sorry, Pam. Um, oh, you can hunt him, do you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when um, when she goes into the, into the house and falls into the living room, and then amongst all the the bones and the feathers and mm. teeth and everything, there's something just like it's again like I would say again, but like raw, this kind of um, unfiltered feel to the whole film, um, which as I say, kind of feels like it's that kind of early um, 
you know, like foot, not fit as if not foot shot in the, the way I found footage, but similar to the way that like Cannibal Holocaust looks, you know, even mm-hmm. though that is kind of more like found footage shot. Um, it just it's just got that kind of we're not height, we're not polishing any anything off here. This is as as stark as it can be. Um, and is, I mean, it's kind of what you're saying there with the, about Hooper like making you kind of like, again setting up cameras and making you watch this thing. Um, I always remember thinking. The opening scene, I was I was kind of unsettled because, so like my dad, my dad was disabled, right? Um, and I just remember them think, thinking, holy shit, they just like chucked this disabled guy down down the side of this bank, and, like all bets are off, no one's like no one is safe, you know that way. I just was like, holy crap, like what? I hadn't really seen anything like that, and 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 then Franklin, you know, he's, he's quite an unlikable character, like he's quite um, abrasive, um, even to the other characters. So it's it was kind of like something I had just never never seen before um and kind of you know brings this kind of realism and, and not sugarcoating anything to it they don't feel like they don't feel like characters and that's i mean that both in a good way and a bad way like we don't get much character development with them but they don't they just kind of feel that somebody were there watching yeah i think and what's great is also the overall sort of aesthetic is makes it quite unique gives it a real unique vibe I think that's contributed to his lasting legacy you know the 16 mil grainy the colours are really weird and kind of nauseating um, and I think also it's made with a kind of independent mindset that sort of marks it as a shift in traditional horror cinema um, I like the fact that sort of there's no safe resolution at the end it's sort of open there's a real lack of legal authority that you might find in a traditional yeah. horror movie mm-hmm. where you have a subplot where the sort of people trying to find the lost kids or mm-hmm. whatever. Or, or, uh, I really love the scene near the start where you have the sheriff who's basically drunk yeah. uh, at the graveyard and this really odd camera angle where he's lying on his back and drinking and then the camera's just on the grass like filming these straight on on his head yeah. um, it's really kind of unsettling yeah, I, um, I, I never really thought about it before but you're right like, you know usually these films like even like Psycho and things like that they have the cops turning up at the end you know and kind of tidying everything up even even these like you know like Friday the 13th and, and Halloween where there, there's you know umpteen sequels and it's always left fairly open ended there's always usually the cops or an ambulance turn up at the end and you're kind of like okay things are safe now like you know mm. the credits are going to roll or whatever um, but this doesn't have that at all and as you say that kind of total like uh, ineptitude of the authorities right from the yeah. beginning when, when you know these graves have been dug up and they're just there drinking and 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 uh, you know not really giving to flying fucks but um, yeah you're right that's interesting uh, I think as well that that realism is what makes the film so terrifying mm. in a sense as well and that um, this is sort of an example of that shift in cinema, American cinema in general, you know, a shift to realism. Mm. Um, whereas, like, I see a lot of parallels with sort of new Hollywood cinema, whereas, like, Ho- uh, Hooper obviously wasn't really a part, wasn't a part of that, but I think there's parallels in the sense that what was happening in new Hollywood cinema was, like, right, the 60s dream is over, the hippie dream is over, the positivity of that uh, is done, whereas the 70s was all about a kind of new cynicism and a sort of real life bleeding into uh, cinema through shifting to independent filmmaking. And I think um, you see a lot of 
uh, political elements in the film that, and subtly in the film and Hooper's talked about how he wanted to sort of say this is America uh, I think one of the tropes of 70 cinema is you get an idea of like a society in chaos uh, whereas um, uh, you know the idea um, of traditional faith and authority figures uh, was eroded in the seventies with sort of things like Watergate, ongoing uh, war in Vietnam, economic turn- turmoil, inflation, uh, capitalist economies were kind of uh, turned upside down, globalization, as is mentioned in in the film, where people losing jobs, uh, technology uh, removing traditional uh, jobs as well. Um, and sort of the idea that um, reality was actually more scary than any kind of traditional monster figure yeah, yeah. Um, was, uh, I think, part of the legacy of this film. Yeah, that that was sort of a turning point in horror, wasn't it, as well? Uh, you had things before it, like Last House on the Left, mm-hmm. in a similar vibe. Uh, yeah. Rosemary's be- Baby, Exorcist, sort of moving horror into what would happen in the 80s, where... Holy, that horror was real people mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah, I think I think I think what you're saying there, but yeah, last house and left a really good um, one to point to because it's kind of like the missing. This is kind of like the missing link, I think, between you know, kind of. I suppose Hitchcock kind of did it with Psycho a little bit, but you know, it, it wasn't quite a masked masked monsters yet. You know, you I think. You know, you had the Michael Myers and the Jason Voorhees, that that type of horror that became really popular in the 80s and stuff, that were these kind of, even before they were supernatural-esque, they were like bigger than big, you know, they were like, um, they're monsters, they're, you know, literally monsters, whereas this is kind of like that, you know, you, you've got Last House on the Left, and those are real people, and those are just real monsters, you know, those are those are like mm. literally monstrous people, and then this is like that kind of apex, you know, like a junction right there, where it's, it's kind of like a bit of both. Um, and it, they're very, they're very real monsters, if that makes mm. sense. And they kind of, um, you know, just push to the very edge of kind of like um, of realism, I guess. You know, like so this could, this could kind of happen, and but they're not, they're not invincible. They're not, you know, you shoot them, they will die more, more than likely. You know that that type of they're not this kind of everlasting um, monster that the the other ones became, and even like the universal monsters and stuff before, where they always came back. You know, this is kind of like that. I know there were sequels, but it's they've never quite done it that the same way. Whereby these, mm. these are just human beings, and and that one happens to wear a human ma- uh, skin mask and, and and wield a chainsaw. It's it's um, you know, it's it's quite a it's definitely that kind of link between those two types of horror. Mm. Yeah, but then also in the same, on the other hand, I, I watch this film and it feels like. Uh, in a lot of ways, it, it feels quite dreamlike. It feels quite nightmarish. In a lot of ways, it's, it's a real story, but the way Hooper presents it is very frenzied. Um, I really love the the chase scene mm-hmm. between Sally and Leatherface. It, it's very odd. Um, it feels like something out of like Nosferatu. You mean the first chase scene when she uh, the, through the woods? Yeah, uh-huh. the wind through the wood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like dark. It's got this blue tint. Yeah, uh, and it's something quite. Um, it's really strange, um, and, but it's really beautiful as well. Um, it's, it's one of my favourite points in the movie. Yeah, and and preceding that, like you know, you get the, you know, Sally and Franklin walking through the woods, um, and just suddenly out of nowhere, 
Like, 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 probably, um, you know, everyone talks about the, the, um, you know, the metal door, the screen door when he comes out and hits Kirk on the head with the, the hammer. Um, that's that. I think that's just as effective when he, he just appears and this like mm. boom, he's there, and it's like. You just, I think the, the the fear. I think that a lot of cases in in the in the filming of it, uh, Hooper didn't really let or they didn't mix much, you know, with Leatherface. So a lot of the, the actors hadn't actually seen Leatherface before they saw him in the film. So I think you kind of catch a lot. And again, that lends to this realism. Um, but as you say, like, the, the kind of the nightmarish, dreamlike part of the film, I think really stuck. It, it probably starts off around about there. Up to that point, mm. things seem to be quite well, presented as they are, at least. Um, and it, we're from that point onwards and then through the chase and then the dinner scene and stuff like that, it gets very, lots of close-ups, tight shots on the characters that weren't there before. Um, mm. You know, that's really kind of, um, you're, you're right there and it's kind of frenzied, did you say, and, and um, intense. It's interesting how, yeah, Hooper sort of builds to like a real uh, chaotic climax because mm. there's a lot of uh, longer takes in the first half half an hour, sort of a bit at a slower pace, building up the tension uh, with that climax of that dinner scene, whereas like the screaming, quick cutting, really extreme close-ups right into Sally's eye. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, 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 the weird music as well, Hooper made all the, the, the music, well, you can't really call it music, just <laughs> mad sounds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really unsettling. Another factor that's making it a sort of uh, an unconventional movie mm. um, uh, no, and that's not even to mention like what's actually going on in that scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that dinner scene which is like crazy enough yeah, uh, but yeah. then it's presented in such a uh, uncompromising assaulting style yeah. and it goes on for about 10 minutes Aye. that scene <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just let's... constant screaming and really weird camera angles um, yeah I love it yeah. Uh, let's, so... let's not like, forget though that as well that this is it's quite a dark comedy in a lot of places and intentionally so like, mm. you know it, it, to the point where as you say that the, the int- what's happening in that dinner scene is kind of comedic and it's played for it a, a little bit you know the actors are funny you know the, what's happening is funny you know the the, the grandfather, they're trying to get him to hit her in the head with a hammer and stuff like that, and he's, he's dropping it, and all that stuff actually comes across as quite funny, but it's then the way that it's shot, and it's it's funny to us maybe watching it, and it's maybe funny to those characters, because that's kind of normal for them, but then it's this, like, focusing in on Sally and her experience and what she's been through and, and what she's going through, that that's what makes it intense, and that's really, that's, yeah, that, that makes it something really special, that scene. Uh, always mm. made me feel uncomfortable. I remember the first time I saw it, I just, it's, I just was like, I just couldn't understand what I was seeing. If you know what I mean, I was, I was wondering how long it was going to go on because you see it goes on uncomfortably long. And again, I think that lends to it as well. I was thinking when you were describing it there, it's, it kind of reminds me, no, it's been a week since I've seen it, but like, you know, the end of like um, 2001, you know, when it goes into mm. the, that kind of the imagery and the music, you know, it kind of puts me in mind of that a little bit where it's like, you're like, Where's, how long is this going to go on for? And what am I, what's actually, where are we going? You know, that way, like, you're not sure where where it's going to end. Um, just when you were describing it, that's, it's quite similar to that in a way. <laughs> I think another good point to mention, though, is uh, what's unusual about the film. People come away thinking it's the most... Um, mm extreme cinematic experience mm-hmm. I've ever seen mm-hmm. uh, they feel like attacked 
by the film, but um, in actuality, the violence is very tasteful in, in terms of what you actually see, yeah. which is part of the genius of the film. Um, it's very subtle. There's no blood, or very, very little blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, for instance, like the scene where the Pam character gets put in the meat hook, mm-hmm. um, editing is so good there. You don't see, like, you might see, like, um, the actual hook mm-hmm. breaking the flesh. You don't see that. No. Um, but you, the, 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 the power of it uh, is so good. Um, it's so, so well. It's so weird to say that. Now, I, I watched it most recently, listening to, to Toby Hooper's most recent um, commentary that he did. And then um, get, gets to that scene, and I'm, even though I've seen it, I don't know how many times, I was still thinking that you see at least a shot of between our shoulder blades, you know, like, you know, and, it, you know, my head, it was, it, all the all the 70s special effects could give us, you know, low budget, but it was there in my head. Um, and then he was talking about the fact that there's, there's blood strewn on the walls, but it's all dried blood and none of it's hers, you know, and all this stuff that, that um, they did to kind of try and, you know, um, well, he, I, I learned this recently that he was, he apparently wanted it as a PG rating. Mm. Um, so they, they they made sure not to they, you know he asked some some people how do we get this and they said well you you, you have to keep the blood low and things like that and all these things so he says that we we didn't put any, well, you'd be lucky if you found like more than a cup full of of blood in the film um, mm. <laughs> I don't know how he thought he was getting a PG rating you know um, it's kind of crazy when you consider the history of the film and and um, you know how it was kind of. Uh, yeah, how often it was banned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's kind of I mean it's kind of ridiculous when you when you when you see it. But um, but yeah, I, I think he just wanted but, to get it to as wide an audience as he could. But yeah, from a filmmaking point of view, so good to yeah. um to and also to um compare that to the later cycle of torture porn movies. Yeah, whereas the the philosophy was the exact opposite. It was show as much as you can and as much gruesome detail as you can. Yeah. Um, but I would say none of those films have that the legacy of uh, of horror that this one has. Uh, none of them are regarded as as terrifying. No, it's the Chainsaw Massacre. Um, so I sort of um, credit to the power of filmmaking there. It is. It's 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 really weird. Like you know how you're, you know. Like, I I've, I watch a lot. Of, as I say, a lot of trashy horror films and that includes some trashy horror sequels um some of them to this this film um and there was a there was one done um i can't remember what year it was but the it was like texas chainsaw 3d or whatever um but it was meant to be a direct follow-up to this and it literally picks up um right at the end of of, of this film and then skips or you know over a bunch of years um and you think you're you know most of it's kind of faithful looking when, they, when they're back in the, the 70s but then when it skips forward like 20 or so years um, they go back to the house and and they meet Leatherface again. But suddenly, again, he's 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 this hulking behemoth of a of a of a man who's you know like a twelve foot chainsaw or something, you know. And he's cutting people in half on screen. And you just think mm. they just they just don't get it. They just don't get what made the first. You know, they they try and they think they're doing you know try to keep the aesthetic in certain ways, but they just don't understand what it is but I, I, you know you ask yourself would would something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre with that level of of you know like, there's not very much graphic violence in it um that, that you, you see anyway um would it would it sail today would it would it would people go and see it would it could they make a sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was you know at the same level 
I mean, they, they, you know, they, they made the second one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, and it, even it up the game. Um, mm. That was Toby Hooper, but um, yeah, but I well, that, in a way, that's a completely different movie. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, it is it literally is. Yeah, uh, um, that's good. Yeah, it's maybe just a you know a unique moment in film history. It was mm. just the, it was waiting in a bottle, in a sense. I, I can't really think of any other movies I could compare it to. Yeah, um, it's kind of a, a all the factors of the production kind of added up to like just a, a total classic, yeah. um, a, a unique classic. Yeah, uh, you yeah. might say everything from production design. That house is like a character on its own. It's like so weird. Every time I watch, it, I always forget kind of the house that they go to first. You know, the grandfather's house. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I just kind of. I, I remember we see inside it. If you ask me about it, I would remember we see inside it. But I always kind of forget it because it's quite blank and cold. But the you know the 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 family's house it's just so colourful and and um, like textured. And as I say that like you know there was a quote from in that commentary that Toby Hooper said that the, the production's error. Even the inside of the drawers were dressed. You know, like nobody ever seen them. Like, you know, Toby Hooper didn't even see them most of the cases, but everything was done to, to make it feel like a real place. Um, and I think that really comes across. Uh, and then the act, you know, the, the performances by the, the family as well. As they, the main kids, I, I don't know if they, there's much, you know, Marilyn Burns does a great job in that dinner scene. But I, I think when you hear the stories behind the filming of that, she was maybe just not pushed, I don't mean by, by the crew, but the, the, the circumstances of how it was filmed pushed her to perhaps that uh, performance, but the rest of them, I mean, they're all like instantly recognisable, if you know what I mean, as characters and like, um, and you know, quotable lines and, you know, it's, it's great. It's, yeah, it's, I, I like what you said though, like it is, it's a kind of snapshot of this kind of, you know, and, and as I said, like in, the in-between times, like just, you know, before yeah. the, you know, um, that type of horror kind of, you know, blew up and lost its way, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, the seventies was like kind of a magical time. If you look what directors like Scorsese, um, Coppola were doing, uh, and then they made their run of great films, and then they couldn't even they couldn't recapture yeah. that as well. Mm. It was just that perfect moment where independent cinema went mainstream, uh, and then went back uh, underground again. Yeah. So thanks very much for listening to the episode. This is the Cinema Subculture YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed already, please do like the video and leave a comment if you'd like to do that. Okay, I've been Simon. I've been Gary. A whole family of Draculas. It was a nightmare. Sorry, I thought, you were going to, I thought you were going to hand off to me. You're just taking it all. Oh, fuck. All right, you want to do no, it? No, I don't want to do it. No, I'm fucking <laughs> want to do it. You do it again. You have to do it again yourself now, you're, you're <laughs> an asshole.